Destroy All Children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy All Children you should go there now. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Destroy All Children. Knowing me, Larry Davis. Knowing you, George Brundle. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Here we're, we are. We're doing this week. every episode yep. now. <laughs> I told you. I don't okay. care. All it right. Makes well. me happy. That's what matters. So you're not the one that edits this or records it. Or, well, you have some input, I guess, but not really, you know. Just a little bit. I, I, I draw things. Occasionally. Uh, you drew occasionally, one thing. I, well, hey, look. I view this as a continuation of a previous podcast we did where we talked about some goddamn anime. Uh-huh. And I drew I drew multiple things for that. True, four of and them. Occasionally I, yeah, occasionally I come up with uh, episode titles. Oh, five, actually. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I wanted to draw another thumbnail for this podcast, actually, uh, but I kind of need to wait on that because of uh, fucking my hand up, which I'm not going to get into on here. But, but yeah. yeah, well, it's because you saw Halo Infinite and you were so psyched about it that you smashed your fist through a glass table. <laughs> exactly. It's all wrapped up in gauze now, but like the blood keeps kind of leaking out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll happen. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I think maybe I need to see a doctor, but I don't want to because of the coronavirus. Well, yeah, also, you have garbage insurance that costs you a lot of money for nothing. That's right. Money for nothing. Yeah, um, you don't even get chicks for free. <laughs> that's, yep. I was blanking on the lyrics of that song. It's what I wanted to go with. Uh mm. What's going on with you, Larry Davis? Are you playing any new video games? Yes, I played through a new video game in its entirety. All right, uh, tell me about Carrion. Carrion? Carry on. I'm not sure which it is. So, this is available on Xbox Game Pass. That's why I played it, uh, which is good because it's one of those cases where if I had paid money for it, I would maybe not be happy about it. But as it is, it was an enjoyable diversion. How much? So, is what? it does, how much is it outside of Game Pass? I'm gonna guess fifteen. That sounds right okay. to me. Maybe uh, it better not be twenty. If it is, yeah. Then uh, ooh. Yeah, you anyway. were telling me about this in the length of it, and it makes sense that you would play that through Game Pass and not, you know, pay full price. But, right. but yeah, anyway. So it's a two D game where you are playing as a blob monster. Uh, and you're sort of stalking your way through this underground facility. And it turns out it's a Pathfinder game, which I was not aware of when starting it. It actually has quite a bit in common with Oddworld in many ways. Uh, a lot of puzzles in it. Um, the combat is kind of whatever. Uh, you die real fast in it. And so a lot of it is sort of slinking your way through vents and everything and... Popping up that behind people sound, to grab them. That does sound like Oddworld. Yeah, exactly. 
uh, I mean, Abe ate all of those sligs. Like, he was eating them all yeah. the time and growing bigger each time. Bigger. Thinner. Bigger. Uh, so yeah, th- there are interesting things with it. You're getting new abilities as you go, and the abilities are actually tied to your size. Like you have three stages. Um, again, the smallest stage you have ability where you can shoot out these cobweb things, and then at the middle stage, you have sort of a charge attack which can break through wooden barriers, uh, and then at the top stage you have a thing that can pull out these plug things in the environment. That means also there are times when you might need the ability from a lower stage, so you have to like I guess you can just go get yourself attacked to uh drop to a stage, but there'll always be like these pools that you can sort of dump your biomass into to reach a lower stage. And so there are some puzzles about that. That stuff's all good. Here's the problem. There is no map in this game. And the actual oh. levels, that's not really a huge problem because most of them are basically uh-huh. just loops. However, there's also a hub world. And first of all, navigating it makes no sense. I bet if somebody actually took like the sprites, like the backgrounds and everything, and tried to assemble a map out of them, it wouldn't work. I bet it like it doesn't actually line up with like you come out here. Like that, uh... It would be like the difference between Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2. Have you seen that stuff? I don't uh, people probably. people take three D renders of the of the maps in those games to compare the two of them with Dark Souls one. Everything is actually lined up precisely where it should be. So yeah. the map as a as a single contiguous three D model makes sense. With oh, Dark Souls yeah, yeah, two, yeah. yeah, there's areas overlapping into areas and stuff that's just floating out into space. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's super confused and and layered in very weird ways, right? Uh, I mean, so it sounds like you're describing like Dark Souls. To, uh, yeah, like sure, a lot of games would would do that. The way that games are constructed, they don't need to make actual coherent sense if you like pull back out from it and look at everything at once. Um, yeah, I don't remember what game it was, but I was seeing that something like that kind of recently, where it was like you go inside a building, but actually where you're going is like. In some uh, weird like cube Donkey Kong 64 uh, Oh yeah yeah that, that actually is what I was <laughs> yeah. thinking That factory level Yeah, yeah Where it's like yeah, t- how making it makes you teleport around no Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is why like that level is confusing As all hell when you right. play it Is that actually ends up kind of Translating into the feel of that level Like it, it really does not make any sense Uh huh Non-Euclidean donkometry um, <laughs> yes exactly There's your episode title right there <laughs> Great uh, So this is also exacerbated by a fact That there are a lot of one way pipes And also the way you get into levels And get out of them Basically you get into levels By just going in these little holes They're everywhere uh, And then you sort of go through the level And then you come it's out through the main seal Yes exactly Exactly but then you come out through the main seal where you can see, again, sort of an odd world thing. It has these readouts, like these scrolling text things, and they'll tell you, like, you got this many samples in the level. There, uh, You got the containment unit in this level, etc. So, mm. 
I got stuck for probably a solid two hours in this game. Where I finished a level, came out of the thing, you can go left or right. I went left and got sucked through a one-way pipe and then could not figure out how to get back there. I figured I had to because why would you? Like, of course you would have to get back there. Obviously I was supposed to go right. That would be the answer, right? Yeah. No. You're supposed to go back to a previous level, which there's no indication of, uh, and use your possession ability in a certain room there to get to a separate area that's kind of attached to that one. Uh, Specifically, I should say, in case anybody else has this issue, because there was actually someone on Mastodon who was talking about how they were stuck in a a part (laughs) of the game, and I said, if it's the same place I was stuck, here's the answer, and it actually was, so it's not just me. Jesus. Um... But yeah, you have to go back to Leviathan Reef Base. There's a room to the north you can use possession on. It'll take you to Leviathan Reef Base Bridge. And then you can continue from there. Uh, but yeah, that's also the only part in the game where you have to do that. You never have to go back to a previous level to unlock anything else ever again. Nothing before that. So I, I just like happened upon it. Is this also like... One of the last games you played made by one guy. I don't know, was it? I well, I ask because that sort of stuff is uh I don't know. To me that's kinda like, hey, this is a very, very small team and so this is obviously not good game design, but because yeah. it was a small team, nobody really sat down and kinda considered that maybe you shouldn't do that. You it shouldn't probably... introduce something halfway through the game that you are not going to do again for the rest of the game. It probably is a small team, uh, but it is being put out by Devolver. So you would think that somebody involved with that would have played it and realized, oh, maybe you shouldn't do this. Also, it it runs into the classic Pathfinder dilemma of here are these sort of secret optional upgrades you can get. You can only get them at the end of the game once you have all the powers, so then they will be of no use to you. Because the upgrades are mostly things like resist fire, or you have more energy. And then the last level has no enemies in it. That's not true. It makes your percentage goes up, and that's important because of reasons. I mean, it's true. I I did get 1,000 out of 1,000 achievement points in it so there's that the the number goes up that's right number gets bigger number gets just like your blob bigger uh but yeah after 100 percenting it even with the time i spent stuck wandering around it was probably like six hours or so not very long Mm. it was fine i don't know so like an actual like competent playthrough of that thing which isn't isn't to say it's your your fault but like if you didn't have that two hours there it would have just taken you about four i don't know if it was actually two or not it sure felt like it um okay but it was at least one i'm sure of that Mm. Uh, just like wandering around this hub base trying to figure out like first of all how to get back up there where i was and then just entering random doors and looking around to try to figure out where i was supposed to go yeah. I mean, even just, like, not having a map in general in a Pathfinder game. I know you you said that, like, in the actual levels, it's not necessarily needed, but that just seems incredibly unhelpful to oh, not yeah. have that yeah, for that they, sort of a game. They should have had it for the hub, because the hub is easily the most confusing 
area and the whole thing it's just like things yeah well i already said like things connect in weird ways and there are one-way pipes going everywhere and it's really hard what to keep it, track of what is in your opinion the worst hub world in video games would it be this glover oh that is a good one no, i would not. say banjo well no i it's a good answer okay uh I would say Banjo Tooie. Yeah, that, that's I really definitely, do not like that hub world. That's yeah. I it is excessive. It is confusing. Uh, th there had actually been a few points where I did not know where the fuck I needed to go. Oh, man, Banjo Tooie hub world is terrible. It's also terrible because it feels like the the first time you go into like the Jinjo village, like that's the hub world. No, it's not. <laughs> like there is another tunnel out of that place to Bottle's house and then out through that and now you're in the hub world like ah oh god by the way um, carry on is 20 American dollars that seems like a bit much yes it does would not recommend at that price yeah yeah I don't know now, now that you mentioned Glover I think Glover might actually be my answer I mean Benjo too at Glover least has stuff to look shelf. at the Glover hub is horrible it's just so. I picked up and held Glover uh, the other day, mm -hmm. as I was doing with all of my N64 games, because I was cleaning the shelf. I thought, maybe I should play Glover. And then I remembered I also have Blast Core, and I would much rather play Blast Core if I were going to play an Nintendo 64 game that's not on the list. That's right. Yeah. Blast Core is a good game. It is. Glover is not a good game. Backlash. Yeah. Uh, anyway, then anyway, I started. Have... I started playing Crosscode, which I'm not that far into. I'm like in the prologue thing. Uh, this was an interesting case because this is also on Game Pass. I thought this was a JRPG. Is the thing? Oh right, this is the uh, the overhead like kind of action RPG looking yes, thing. It's a Zelda. Um, and then made me not stop talking about Oasis. Right. Uh, when I was on the phone with you for about 20 minutes Right, you just wouldn't shut up about Oasis And then I started you on oh, Beyond Oasis so good Yeah, yeah. It does. Uh, But yes, um, it's a Zelda And I think the reason I was confused with this Was because there's another game I'm pretty sure with a very similar name That also looks very similar That actually is a JRPG I don't know what it's called If anybody, if anybody has any idea, like Write in Larry at destroyallchildren.com I guess I'm still waiting on Timmy's book report On Legend of the Ten Elemental Masters I don't think he's ever gonna it's finish not that it long of a, Not that long of a book But it feels yeah. goddamn interminable Yeah I was gonna say It feels like an eternity um, There there was I, I'm sure we've brought it up before But reminder that Ula Lilia wrote a second book And that thing is like Four or five hundred pages long Yeah like Legend of the Ten Elemental Masters, I want to say is a a little bit shy of two hundred. I bet it's like two fifty. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, point is, the other one is much, much, much longer than that, and I cannot even begin to imagine. Like Ten Elemental Masters felt like it took me long enough to get through, despite its relatively short length. Uh. Setting aside the appendixes that tell you how the spells work, it is 259 pages. Oh, okay. You're much closer on that than me. 
I can just pull game dates out of thin air, but pages and books? Nope. I mean, I was just guessing based on the thickness, because, you know, after yeah. reading enough comics and stuff, you start to figure out, oh, this is like a 220-page book, this is a 120, etc. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so CrossCode seems alright. Then I looked up how long to beat, and according to that, it is... 30 hours for the main quest and something like 80 for completion and I don't think I'm going to play all of CrossCode. I'll see how it goes it might be great 80 for completion? That's what it says for uh, like 30 hours for a straight playthrough and 80 for that is a really big gap between those two numbers like oh yeah I'm used to with like an RPG you could see something like upwards 20 additional hours on that which makes sense to me but yeah. Full 60 hours, huh? So I'm also or, I'm not, sorry, no, uh, 50 hours. I'm also not sure if that means, like, that's to get all achievements or something, or if it's like mm. there are a whole bunch of weird optional things in there that take a lot of grinding or something. I, I have no idea. But personally, all I would care about would be getting all the achievements, which, from what I can see in the list, is basically just playing through the story, and they're like a you other ones which i think are probably also story based i'm not sure um but yeah i don't know i'll see how it goes it it seems good so far it's a lot of video game in there though if it takes 80 hours to complete it thoroughly like that is uh that is playstation 2 jrpg length i mean that's good value though unlike carry on sure yes more equals better than that's right um, but it's good. It's uh, it's Zelda, but with balls. Remember balls for the Super Nintendo? I remember the music from Balls, definitely. Ooh, ooh, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. You got the girl moaning in the background. Yeah. Um. But yes, it like the puzzles and stuff are about like you have these charged up spheres that you can shoot and you sort of bounce them around. Uh, you also have different elements and. Attacks and stuff and Again I'm not really that far into it But It seems alright How many elements? Two that I I think four I think it's fire, ice, lightning, wind So not ten Is what you're telling me No, no It seems like they're leaving some critical elements out If you ask me then Yeah well We'll get Ula Lilia on board with CrossCode 2. When is Ula Lilia's game coming out? I've Never. been waiting on it for the past 15 years. Never. <laughs> He's busy wading into large bodies of water now. Talk about video games where the number just keeps going up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Got that like little like hex value on there that tells you how much speed you're getting off your jump, and he's not put a cap on that. No, he just keeps adding more and more parallax scrolling in the background. God, that game might... Act- if it did come out, I think that actually might be the game with the most parallax scrolling. Good. Like, legit, I think he is setting a record with that. Yeah, he should. Yeah. Call him Hal Jordan, because he's parallax. Ayo. I mean, look, Ulalilia uh, should maybe get in contact with the Guinness people and get a record on that, because if he likes having big numbers, he's got the most biggest number for parallax scrolling, and he could have that immortalized. Yeah, sure. 
It's my advice to him. Ula Lilia he should be in, uh, in the Guinness Book for some reason. Hopefully a oh good my one. Oh god, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You've been playing anything else though, or has that been uh, about all you've I had told on you, your plate? I played a full game to completion. Uh, remember, we recorded very late last week, so I've been at work <laughs> most of the time since then. I mostly was just trying to see uh, if you had put more time into Ghost of Tsushima. A little bit. Because uh, I, am, I am eagerly anticipating my copy arriving here in about a week. Oh, I do uh, have, a, I have a tip for Ghost okay. of... Sure. Wait on. I will forget. Tsushima. Uh, well, you didn't let me finish. I had to say Ghost of. <laughs> uh huh. Tsushima. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So do the mission for Lady Masako as soon as you can get All it. Right. Uh, because the first one that you do with her will get you Samurai Clan armor, which reduces damage you take and increases your health. And since getting that, I have not come close to dying at all, ever. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. I, Whereas uh, before that, I was getting murked constantly because it was like two shots and I was down. Now I'll just take on the whole crew. Who cares? To to follow up on the the NECA Ninja Turtles thing oh, that we no. had brought up briefly, uh, I had went back to the Walmart to try to find these for you and I yet again, and uh, this time they just told me that now it's more nebulous. The end of the month, maybe. And so I'm pretty much giving up on that. Uh, I don't want to keep going back to the Walmart and risk getting the coronavirus over a toy. You should, uh, though. Uh, Look, it's not just about and you. You. <laughs> you bought yours for $75 on some website I never heard of. Never heard of Zavi? They, the, uh, no. uh, they had the exclusive Super Mario Brothers Blu-ray steelbook. Oh, that was okay. Yeah. Then I must have at some point, and I completely forgot about them. But yeah, it's you, just that you they're a UK retailer, so most of the time there's no reason yeah. for us to really look. Which, at it. yeah, which makes sense why you ended up paying a premium on it because he had to pay to to ship it over to the United States, and also they're going to mark it up anyway. Uh, but you had just made your peace with the fact that you were never going to see it in the wild, and yeah. that I probably was never going to find it. So you gave and caved, and you bought it. Yeah. Uh, so me, I kind of also gave up and decided, well, yeah, I got this money that I was planning to spend, and now it's burning a hole in my pocket, and I would like to play Ghost of Tsushima. So I, I think that well, pause was, was at the enough. Walmart. <laughs> I was at the Walmart, and I approached somebody, and I said, hey, do you have any copies of Ghost of? And then I waited too long, and he walked away. So oh. I had to find another <laughs> Walmart employee. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they're sold out at the Walmart. So I went to the Target. They're sold out at the Target. I called the other Walmart. They're sold out at the other Walmart. Best Buy doesn't have any copies. GameStop doesn't have any copies. It is completely, there has been, it is a dry ghost of Tsushima town. Like I cannot find a copy anywhere here in town that I can go pick up. Which is interesting uh, to me because I went to my Walmart to look for the turtles and just happened to look at the games while I was there because was right back there apparently that's where they keep the premium toys uh with the funko pops because there's nothing more premium than that 
Um, oh yeah, and the like Zelda blind box things. Yep. Like they just sell loot crates inside of a brick and mortar store now, yep. which that seems gross to I me. Mean, those those have been around a long time. I remember seeing they had, Soul Eater blind boxes at Best Buy years ago. They had one for Seinfeld a while back, and I had a moment where I was like, "Oh no, do I actually do this?" And then I pulled myself back from the edge. Well, you know, with that at least, you look at the odds, and you're like, "You're you're probably going to get something good." Right. It was a guaranteed Fusilli Jerry in that box, <laughs> so I I had this moment. Uh, but yeah, th- they didn't it. have any at my Walmart either. So maybe I had assumed they just hadn't put them out on the shelf or something. But maybe yeah, uh, it's the guy, a shortage everywhere. The guy I talked to said they sold out the first day that they had it on the shelf. Uh, Weird. I also then checked online because at that point, you know, what what the fuck else am I going to do? Uh, and Target's online site didn't have any copies. Walmart had uh, copies, but they were like marked up, so it was like a third party or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and Amazon was sold out, except they were getting stock in within a few days. So I ordered it on Amazon, and it should actually go in stock here. I, I want to say either today or tomorrow, and then it should arrive to me by Friday. But yeah, everyone's cleaned out of ghosts of. Tsushima. Hmm. Weird. So I'm yeah, kind of kind of bummed because I really wanted to play that this weekend. Um, but like you know, it's pandemic going on, so who's to say how many discs they actually pressed of that? Me. How many copies they sent out? Oh well, okay. How many? At least at least twenty. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. I'm confident in that number. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I I get like it's a pandemic. I know that with like the Final Fantasy VII thing, like even Square was just like, hey, straight up, we don't know how many copies are going to actually go out to to stores. Like the number is going to be real sporadic. Um, so I imagine it's it's something like that. And I could just like download it, but that's a lot to download. And also, mm. I would really prefer to have it on disc because you know I'm I'm going to get the PlayStation Five, and I might want to put it into the PlayStation Five and see how much better it runs, uh, well, rather what... than have it tied to an account that I'm probably going to have to get rid of when I sell this PlayStation Four because PT is tied to that. Oh, right. And that's part of yeah. So I have to be like part of why this generation two I've just not wanted to buy. Uh, digital games is knowing I'm going to have to abandon that account when I sell that PlayStation 4. Yeah. And it is entirely because of PT. Like the plan beforehand was to just change the information and keep the account. But then Konami was just like, yo, we're nuking PT. And I was like, motherfucker. Here's (laughs) a question. Here's a question. Yeah. When that happened, why didn't you just make a new account? Did and not think ev- that far ahead. <laughs> everything from then on, you could just continue buying things digitally. It wouldn't really matter. Did not think that far ahead. <laughs> also, like I just, I just have an affinity for physical media in general. Like I sure. actually, I was really bored a few nights ago. Oh great! I shut this off. <laughs> I shut this the fuck off. I remember doing this, Larry. I swear to God, I shut it off. Uh, all right. Okay. Expecting any phone calls? No, it was uh, it was an alarm I said yesterday because I, I slept in. Yeah. I shut it off. Okay, I shut it off. I I wonder about physical media because I bet 
if you put that into your PlayStation 5, you'd still have to download the whole thing anyway. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, like a, a few nights ago, or actually probably about a week ago now, I was really bored and decided to look up like uh, cassette tapes on eBay because oh, I don't know, boy. I thought like, hey, there's something really quaint about maybe owning a, a few old cassette tapes that I can put into my uh, my car. Uh, I didn't actually bother to do it because whatever, who cares? Uh, but now eBay will not stop sending me like messages saying like, hey, we got like, there's loads of cassette tapes on sale over on eBay.com. You want some cassette tapes? Please, nobody's buying these. We have to let you know about the cassette tapes. So they will not, like every single fucking day, I get another message about buying cassette tapes. Uh, so don't look those up on eBay if you don't want a million emails. Wasn't bursting on it. Uh, second, I just I really have a strong affinity for physical media. Wherever possible, I would prefer to own something physically. I'm still not a fan of digital media. And on top of that, I really have a soft spot for old physical media. So I really do like cassette tapes. I'm probably not going to buy cassette tapes. I'm not going to use cassette tapes. But I like them. I think they're quaint. I think I think they're cute. I like I like old VHS tapes. I'm not going to buy those either. Because come on. No, you just send them uh, to me. That's right. Uh, old N64 cartridges. I like those. I will buy those. I have bought those. I have a problem. Yeah, you do. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I like physical stuff, but I think part of the problem is that now everything has a day one update anyway. Uh, sometimes very large, and so. Yeah. Having the physical media, I mean, it helps. You don't have to download the entire thing, but for example, like years down the line, for whatever reason, if everything, like the servers got shut down and you couldn't get the patches or anything, I wonder how many of them like, would even run, for one thing. Uh, second, yeah. a lot of them probably subpar. Yeah. I don't know, I'm also way into shelf presence. I, I like my shelves looking nice. Mm. Yeah, I like I like stacking up DVD cases. That's right. That's why you yeah, bought like weird bootleg boxes. Not even actual game, just boxes. boxes. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, I had to. Well, I mean, the thing with the Nintendo sixty four boxes is they're made of cardboard, so yeah. most of them are destroyed. And whenever you buy one that does have the cardboard box, either it's bent out of shape or the price is real big. Yeah, that's the numbers why numbers just keep getting bigger. That's why Sega was ahead of the game. Had those clamshell cases. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I bought Sonic One complete in box uh, back when I was doing that stuff because that was the only uh, mainline Sonic game I did not have a Sega Genesis cart for. And yeah, it's nice having that clamshell box and everything in there. Uh-huh. Uh, also, a huge Altered Beast poster is inside that thing. I That's right. Say. Yeah, I'm never going to hang that up. It's Altered no. Beast. I don't want that in my home. It reminds me I still need to get a box for Sonic Hedgehog 3. But no, that's you expensive. don't. That's expensive, because the only times I can find that is a complete inbox set, and I don't need the cartridge, and that costs like 35 bucks. That's not too bad, I guess. No, I don't know. Uh, it's, 
fine, but I'd rather just get the box and the manual, and you know, I can't seem to find that. So I mean, um, every now and then I check. And whenever uh, Sega does like re-releases of everything, Sonic Three isn't in them, right? Is that because the Michael Jackson dispute yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah, it is pretty much entirely tied up with that stuff. At least like that's what is being speculated at. There's like Sega's not ever come out and confirmed like, hey, it's because of legal issues with Jackson's estate, but it's pretty safe to say that's what it is. Cool. Which is a bummer because that's the that's the best one. Sure. That is actually probably the best Sonic game. I still like Sonic Three and Knuckles more than I like Sonic Mania. Okay. Sonic Mania probably is my second favorite one actually, but yeah, whatever. It's too many old levels. It's my problem with it. They're all bad. Um, how dare you? Uh, speaking of old video games. Larry, there's been a big leak of old Nintendo source code. That's correct. We need to talk about it. No, we don't. Because this gets kind of crazy. Yes, we do. Because I don't know anything there about is an, it. There's an uncompressed version of Mario saying so long, gay Bowsy. Well, I was aware of that. that I sent you that. <laughs> so we need to talk about you it. You didn't even yes. know about that. You were just no, like, check out, about that. check out all this news about this. I'm like, yeah, you didn't see yeah. the best part. Here's so long, gay Bowser uncompressed. In fact, here it is right now. So long, eh, Bowser. What do you think of that? Now that's that's uh, news. Revelation. Uh-huh. I I know that people always said that's what he's saying, but it was so compressed <laughs> that you know it's probably he's saying so long, big Bowsy. But now that it's uncompressed, Charles Martinet said gay the entire time. I think it's actually just a weird accent thing, and it's he's like pronouncing yeah, the G at the end of long <laughs> in a weird way. But yeah, it, it probably definitely is. But still, man, the fact that it's uncompressed just makes it sound like that thing even yeah. more. Yeah, it does. It should, be, it should be the opposite of that. Oh god. Uh, so I'm not even sure where to begin with this stuff because it is just the rabbit hole on that is so deep that I didn't even get to the uncompressed gay Bowser thing until you showed it to me. I was still sifting through the weird beta sprites of Yoshi, which look. <laughs> horrifying they do this it's like disgusting long yoshi fetus yoshi uh-huh. that you would have ridden around on if somebody didn't slide into the room and say no you can't put that into a video game let's make them rounder uh, yes the have you seen the early goombas as well because those are also or not goombas there is one of an early goomba no uh, but it still I looks see that. weird it's just like the same Goomba sprite that we have in the game, except it's kind of like drawn from a different angle, but it doesn't look like radically different in the way that like the Koopas do, where the Koopas look like they are melting. Hmm. So I didn't know this was part of the same thing, because I saw the Yoshi thing a couple of days ago and didn't really think anything of it. Uh, I thought it was just maybe something like Supper Mario Broth uncovered or something. I don't know. And then, yeah, then last day or so, there was all the N64 stuff. So, yeah, the N64 stuff is what I wanted to like kind of look into more because uh, that is more interesting to me, I think, than the Super Nintendo stuff. Because my hope from the N64 is that they could get code for the actual console and then maybe emulation could get better on that thing. I mean, there is that possibly there is that PC port of Mario 64 somebody made that, yeah, uh, you um, can just like use the right stick to control the camera. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, play it like a goddamn video game. That's right. Um, but so that's actually 
something kind of worth getting into as well because people have been pulling out uh, assets for Luigi for yep. Mario 64. But there's something to keep in mind with that is there's actually no code to link that to Mario 64. They've just found the assets, but that's not to say that it was meant to be implemented into Mario 64. Uh, the theory that I heard that makes sense to me is that they put the assets together for the game, but it just never went any further than that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's he, nothing um, to get it in there. He does not have like any variations for the different caps. I know that. Um, yeah. And when they found some beta stuff from Mario 64, the Mario model, the beta Mario, was the same way. So, yeah, they probably just got that far with Luigi, and then were like, eh, whatever. Yeah, because, like, Miyamoto has been out before saying that Luigi was planned for, like, a mini game or something like that. And so yeah. that's probably just what the remnants of that was, was oh, they had a mini game in mind, Luigi was going to be in it, they put together, like, three art assets for him, and then they just dropped it after that. Dude, you, uh, you get in the cannon, you shoot the top of the castle, and Yoshi's up there. Uh, what? Yeah. What? I th so that is uh, I have told my story before about playing Mario sixty four inside of an arcade and that game was so thoroughly beaten that I fired the cannon at the castle and Yoshi was there nobody had done that yet because once you talk to him he does he like flies away yeah and so I was that kid going around insisting that Yoshi was in Mario sixty four and no one would believe me. I felt I like I was going fucking insane. I didn't believe it until like fairly recently. I always thought that was just like a, a rumor, like an urban legend thing, because it seemed ridiculous. Uh, it does, and I never no, did it myself. He's absolutely in there. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine knowing me back then, screaming at the top of my lungs, "Luigi is in Mario 64." It's like guile. Just everyone. Oh, this guy. This guy in Street Fighter has a gun. <gasps> yeah. What? Yeah. You can unlock Ashura the Hedgehog in Sonic 2. <sighs> uh, yeah, so the the thing that, that I wanted to bring up with the PC version of that game is people have been like kind of compiling like a Yoshi, not Yoshi sprite, I'm sorry, I'm still on Yoshi, uh, a Luigi sprite in that game. It's worth noting that is them doing it in the PC version, which is a lot better understood, I would mm -hmm. imagine, than the actual, like, cart version of Mario 64, which people have not gotten that, you know, that model into, so. Also, it looks weird, but that's kind of to be expected. Yeah, his bizarre, his, his weirdly shaped head. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking more of the body, this kind of weird... Body oh sure, segment. I mean you're just putting Luigi's head onto Mario's body because yeah. like the only assets that exist for Luigi are his mustache, the L for the cap, and then his sideburns. I mean they also recolored it green at least, so yeah, but that's people going yeah. in and recoloring it. Yeah, green, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, what if I told you Yoshi's Island was Mario Brothers Five the entire time? Yeah, right. That was their dark intent. Who cares? As if calling it Mario World 2 was not insulting enough. Wait, what was Mario Brothers 4? Mario World, apparently. No. That is, like, going off of this logic, filling in the gaps, like it would have had to have been Mario 4. Well, then it's also Mario World 2. Oh, no, that's still definitely the case. It's on the box. Yeah. People don't want to talk about that. That is Mario World 2. It exists. It's Yoshi's Island. It's terrible what they did to the Mario World name. Is it called that in Japan? 
I thought that was I'm the thing is that sure. is that in Japan it's not well, Mario, no, it's Mario World Five too. in Japan. Maybe. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, there is a beta like first level to that. Uh, it still looks like Yoshi's Island, which is to say, it looks bad. Uh huh. Except it's also like now lacking the Yoshi's Island music, which is like the one good thing about Yoshi's Island. So. And it's got Mario World music in it, though, so I guess that's not all bad. Uh, but yeah, the, like some of my favorite stuff about this is just seeing Dylan Cuthbert out there just kind of talking about like, oh, damn, these hackers got a hold of this like C++ tool I was using to teach myself. And uh, quick, quick there's note. a tweet I had sent to you I wanted to read. Quick yeah? note, uh, uh-huh. Yoshi's Island in Japan is just Super Mario Yasi Island. So, mm. I like Yossi more than I like Yoshi. Me too. Although, yeah, like um, it would also be Yoshi. It's just like spelled Yossi for some reason. But yeah. yeah. Uh, Dylan Cuthbert says there seems to have been some massive leak of Star Fox source code, and people are more interested in finding the word "fuck" in comments than they are by the fact that we had one of the first multi-threaded tokenized script languages ever used in a game. Dylan is done fucking around. Yeah. Also, the depressing thing about this is like Dylan Cuthbert, uh, I need to find his other tweet about this where he kind of went into how this leak made him feel, uh, but it didn't make Dylan Cuthbert feel good. Well, who cares? Made him feel bad. It's uh, like 30 years ago. True. Like, uh, that's uh, part of why I want to find this thing. Um, he said it's private stuff, so it feels intrusive. Source code is hours and hours, years and years of personal work, long hours, sweat and tears. And like I get that. There is like I don't code stuff, so it's kind of lost on me. But from my understanding of having like seen leaks like this happen with source code and having talked to people I know who do code, source code is incredibly private. And so releasing it out in the wild is is very taboo. Like you you don't you don't do that. You don't do that to somebody else. Uh, So I I get the way that he feels. uh, But I also think that this is fairly important from the standpoint of game preservation. Because a lot of stuff like Mm. this tends to just get deleted at any other company. Oh, sure. You think of all the times that Sega's just like, we lost the source code for this old game. Yeah, Panzer Dragoon Saga. There will never yeah. be a re-release of it because they're just uh, yep. like, pff, I don't know, we threw it in a trash somewhere. Yeah. So, I mean, it's promising for one that Nintendo is actually keeping the source code for games going back to at least the Super Nintendo. Like, that's pretty awesome that they're doing that. Although, like, the upsetting underpinning to that is, why the fuck aren't they re-releasing a lot of these games? Yeah. You think about all the stuff Nintendo has that they could just cash in on at any time and they refuse to do it. And now you have a huge leak like this where like they're definitely keeping the source code for a lot of these things. So they absolutely could port them like that irritates me. Release the source code for Pikmin so you can replace Olimar with Mario. Yes, yes. Uh, the rest the of the game completely the Nintendo same. Nintendo 64 Luigi into Pikmin. Yes, at, instead of uh, Lewis. Yeah. And then every time he picks up a Pikmin, he says the uncompressed along gay Bowser line. And yeah, yeah, sure. There you go. There's this horrible Frankenstein game that we made. But, like, I, I, I do think that 
at any time, Nintendo could just wipe the source code for these things. So actually being able to have them preserved outside of Nintendo is a good thing, too. Uh, even though it definitely is violating Nintendo's privacy, somebody had to hack in and get this stuff. Like, there's some illegal shit that went down to make all of this public. Um, yeah, also, I would be more sympathetic if it was something more recent, but it's old enough that, like, whatever, yeah. dude. <laughs> Shut up! Let everybody enjoy this relic. Sure. Like it's archaeology at this point that belongs in the museum. Yeah, that's right. Uh, look, I I get how Dylan Cuthbert feels. I do not necessarily agree with it. I don't give a crap like, what I, Dylan I, Cuthbert I'm... has to say. I only want to know Dylan what Cuthbert. Elisha Cuthbert has to say about her time on Twenty Four, specifically the episode where Kim got her leg caught in a bear trap. And uh, came face to face with a cougar Also if they're ever going to bring back Happy endings for real Not some stupid that's, zoom that's, reunion I want the actual very show hot back and We'll get into it later But Dylan is a good lad Be nice to Dylan I don't care He doesn't deserve this shit He made Star fine. Fox 2 And they already did him dirty by not releasing that Until like 20 goddamn 18 uh, Yeah Tied it to the SNES classic <laughs> Yeah but, like, I, I also just, me personally, I am way into, like, you know, lost levels and, and unseen oh, yeah. beta aspects. And, like, so this stuff to me is fascinating. And there's a lot of it to get through, and I've not gotten through. I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface of it yet. So this is all very exciting to me, and I like it. I'm, I'm way into it. Uh, like, as far as emulation stuff, it doesn't seem like it's going to help anything with, like, Super Nintendo, but Super Nintendo emulation is already, like, pretty damn solid. Yeah. Uh, I would really hope that there is something for Nintendo 64, because if this ended up, you know, helping that in some way, that would be that would be big. Yeah, it's uh, really something when PlayStation 3 emulation is better than N64. <laughs> yeah, right? There is a, I, I'm reading from switcher.gg. I've not uh, given the site a good check. I don't know how reliable it is. I don't know what it is. Uh, I kind of just looked up uh, GigaLeak stuff and started clicking on a bunch of leaks. But this bit Always a good I found plan. kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, there have been reports that users have found code for Luigi in an Ultra Mario Bros. 64 game with an entire, quote, Luigi hierarchy data module. <laughs> And I just really like the phrase <laughs> Luigi Hierarchy Data Module. Like the Nemesis system, but for Luigi. <laughs> I, so there's also some indication of a Ocarina of Time 2 and, and like I said, an Ultra Mario Brothers 64. Uh, I haven't gotten too deep into that either, but I would suspect that those are actually just kind of the way that they named things as part of the uh, the file tree or what have you. Like they might have had a Ocarina of Time, and then later on they just made another folder that said Ocarina of Time 2. It doesn't necessarily in indicate that there was an Oc Ocarina of Time sequel. Yeah. Although maybe it's referring to uh, Yura Zelda or Majora's Mask. Uh, but I doubt it's like a whole new game that we haven't even heard of yet. Yeah, I, I would guess Majora's Mask. but Possibly, yeah. Um, I was trying to dig into that before we started the podcast, but I was having trouble kind of getting to the bottom of that whole thing. Uh, with Ultra Mario Bros. Brother 64, that to me just sounds like 
some weird holdover from back when it would still be Ultra 64. Yep. So it was probably just a very early naming for that that file. Yep. Um, although it could have been a disk drive thing. I I don't know. I was just the about N64 to say DD. like yeah, 64 DD, but uh, I kind of doubt it. Yeah. I think the first is probably like, correct. Yeah, but it's not like a a hidden sequel that nobody knew about. It's none of that stuff, I don't think. Um, but the thing that is interesting to me too is Mario 128. It's Mario Sunshine. No, that can't be true. They it's Mario Sunshine. They, they fucked you all over. The, they wouldn't release that as the main Mario game for that generation. Come on. Mario Sunshine? They wouldn't call Yoshi's Island Mario <laughs> World 2. They wouldn't do that. No. Nintendo wouldn't. They, surely they're a more organized company than that. Absolutely. Oh, I would like a Giga Leak that is GameCube stuff. That would be, that'd be pretty neat. Uh, yeah. Especially because at that point, release GameCube games. <laughs> what the fuck, Nintendo? Yeah. Hey, we'll, you have an we'll online probably... marketplace. Put. We'll you know how get, much money getting Nintendo some later this year. They... You know how much money Nintendo could make if they just put out like an HD version of Super Smash Brothers Melee. You know how they could just be rolling around in it right now. Oh yeah. They won't do that. Nope. I do not understand why they will not do that. It's something they could do. They keep the source codes of these games. There is no way you could tell me they don't have the source code for Smash Brothers Melee. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I suspect uh, we'll we'll be getting GameCube games later this oh, sure. year. Yeah. For Mario and Metroid. Uh-huh. Uh I would also was, um, buy a Pikmin trilogy port though, since I they don't seem to have any interest yeah. in putting out four. That Although, would a Pikmin game would be really great on the Nintendo Switch, and they yeah. refused to do it. So uh, I mean, that's... they said development was like almost done like two years ago or something like that. So, yeah, well, you know, just sit on it forever. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to read this bit because I was I was kind of looking into this too before we started. Uh, again, from Switcher.gg, uh, Switcher.goodgame. From what we have heard from members of the community thus far, the Ultra Mario Brothers 64 source code is said to be for the IQ version of the game, not the original Nintendo 64 version. IQ. Uh, we've been told that it is a CVS repo of uh, with history data, which means that while we have data regarding numerous revisions and versions of Super Mario Brothers 64, we do not have a prior development of the IQ version. Uh, what this means is that, in short, there is not full source code regarding pre-final builds of Super Mario 64 in these files, but there does seem to be localized prototype code. Uh, the IQ, in case you don't know, was don't. a uh, it was a system and a controller that was released in China by Nintendo because of China's weird laws against releasing video game consoles. The IQ came loaded up with 14 Nintendo 64 games that could be played through the controller. If I remember right, the games had a limited number of uses per game, and you could download new games to replace games oh. and then uninstall those and download new ones. Yeah, I remember this now that I see it. Yeah, yeah. What a weird thing. Because it, it looks like bizarre. a Dreamcast controller, but with like yes. 64 buttons. And so the IQ comes up a lot when digging into prototype versions of Nintendo 64 games and and all that stuff because it's these weird digital versions of them that were released for a market that really did not get video game releases at that point in time so 
this is far from the first time I've heard of the IQ uh, being kind of associated with like data aspects and, and, and all this stuff. Uh, Hard for Games, which is a channel that I've brought up numerous times, they're really good if you want to go look into like, you know, found betas and, and, and all that kind of stuff and, and weird peripherals and consoles. Uh, they have a whole thing on the IQ that is worth watching where they get into it a lot more. Uh, and then for a lot of this stuff too, I've been watching uh, Modern Vintage Gamer. Is, is that the name of it? I think it's Modern Vintage Gamer. He's the one when I tried to hook up the microphone and it wasn't working today. You kept hearing his voice and you said he sounded like a text-to-speech man. He does. He does, yeah. No, it's like E.T. trying to communicate with us about N64 prototypes. Mm. Um, but he's also like his channel is really good for a lot of this stuff too he gets into like more of how consoles were jailbroken and how like oh here's how people circumvented the security on the playstation 2 to be able to just like burn discs and play it off of off the console and like his stuff gets like really technical and i understand absolutely none of it i i keep watching because uh, my brain's bad you happen to know by the way Speaking of reading about things about old games, what's up with Hardcore Gaming 101's website where some oh, games wow. are only on the like old version of the website? Because oh, I was looking about that at all. I was looking at um, Shin Megami Tensei 1 and 2, which they have an entry for, but it is only on like the old one with the black background and like the yellow text and everything. When I go to Hardcore Gaming 101. I don't know if it's .com or .net or whatever it is, and search for it, I can't find it there. Like, I was only able to find it through a link from Wikipedia. Huh. I don't know. Just I've wondering. not heard about any of that. Yeah. But I've also not gone to their site in a long time. So. Oh, I just, like, if I'm looking for something to read, I'll just click a random thing and be like, yeah, sure, tell me about the history of East. I don't know. Yeah. When you're out of Sean Baby articles and you need something something to read while on the can, there you That's go. That's right. Well, they have a podcast now. Oh, no. We have, we have competition. Oh, no. You want They're to hear much Sean more Baby. popular than we are. Well, yes. Uh, if you want to hear Sean Baby and Brockway talk about uh, the episode of He-Man about Fisto's origin, then head on over to 1-900-HOT-DOG. I believe it's called the Dog Zone uh, with two Gs and two Zs. It's a good podcast name. It is. They have a good theme uh, song too. Not as good as ours, but you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Not everyone can book Dave Castile. Dave Castle, thank you. I'm sorry, Dave Castle. I didn't mean to mess up your name. I really like the theme song that you the made ukulele bandito, as he's known. Yeah. Um Yeah. Uh Are you done with the N sixty four stuff? There was uh, one I other have, thing that I wanted to mention with I have this. Something to uh, say. I don't know how much this checks out because it's coming off of vice.com and they're reporting at times mm -hmm. ain't good. Uh. This isn't written by Patrick Klepek though. So oh, that well, also okay. makes it more, I mean, he's the one that gets all the scoops. Remember oh, uh. you hear about the Xbox you hear about this thing because scoops won't shut the fuck up about it. still anyway, that's, I have issues with Patrick Klebeck. I'm just going to try to drop him and read this thing. Uh, Ryan Hernandez spent years hacking into, into Nintendo servers to steal games and other pieces of software. When the FBI caught him and seized his computers, it found child pornography on his hard drives. Uh -oh. And Hernandez pleaded guilty to crimes on January 31st. According to the FBI affidavit, 
and application for a search warrant obtained by Vice, Hernandez spent the last few years bragging about stealing from Nintendo publicly across multiple social media platforms, including Twitter and Discord. So Vice is positing here that this wave of leaks is something that Hernandez had stolen, given to other people, and then now it is being put out bit by bit. Uh, I don't know okay. how much that checks out. They're oh. just coming to that conclusion based on stuff Hernandez has said, and you know the fact that he done got arrested. Uh, and another article I had read, I have a million tabs open here, I can't figure out which one it was, had kind of put forward this idea that maybe the reason we're getting this now is because people are angry over the fact that Nintendo won't fucking talk about games. And I don't know <laughs> yeah. how true that is, but I kind of hope it is because that's really funny. Sure. Like that, this actually be a pretty good way of getting back at them for just kind of dragging their balls on the ground for the last, like, oh god, I don't know, three year? years? <laughs> okay. I'd say longer than a year. Like, maybe not actually three years, but Nintendo's... Uh, we got into this last week. My point still stands with all yeah. of that. Uh, but anyway, that's all I... Like, there's a lot to talk about with the GigaLeak stuff. Um, I, like I said, I feel like I've just kind of scratched the surface with it, and I'm going to be looking into it more uh, when the podcast is over. But I wanted to talk about it a little bit, because this stuff to me is, you know, again, it's fascinating. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too. I, I don't really have like context i don't know what any of the stuff means usually but i like looking at it i like seeing the yeah. weird yoshi yeah i like seeing the weird uh intro theme to mario kart that they dropped because it sounded too much like earthbound music yeah so uh i was gonna mention that i finished middle earth shadow of war uh, i finished it like, three or four weeks ago i kept forgetting to mention it uh I don't think Monolith is making a Shadow of War 3. You don't a... say. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> without You going caught in... me up on the ending of this game, and I came to the same conclusion. Like, it was weird, because we had talked about, like, they're definitely doing that, right? And then you told me how this game wraps up, and... Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't think they're doing another one. No, I... I mean, it's possible they could just be telling another story in Middle-Earth or something, but that... Like between the DLC and everything, that thing is done. Like it goes up yeah. to the movies and everything, and not gonna be no more Talion. Know that for sure. Uh, but yeah, the end of it is really good. That game, there's a lot of game in there, and it gets pretty repetitive by the end. Uh, and as I'd mentioned before. I'm talking about the whole nemesis system it's like a magic trick and by the end of the first game you could sort of see how the pieces come together and everything and that's doubly so in this one like by the end mm. i was seeing a lot of not duplicate orcs to its credit never saw repeating dialogue ever so yeah the thing that actually surprised me about you kind of relaying your experiences in real time with that game was just how specific some of the dialogue is to stuff that you were doing oh yeah like, I, I think you had you had already mentioned on the on the podcast i'm pretty sure the stuff about like oh shooting an arrow or no it was poisoning something like multiple times and then it was a specific number of times that somebody approached you and said hey you don't need to do it that much yeah it was if you poison a grog barrel four times an orc will come up and say like you don't need a poison. That's four times the dose you need. 
and everything. So yeah, yeah like it's just crazy the, stuff like that. Yeah, the fact that they go just that deep with it is the thing that really impresses the hell out of me because I do remember like the gameplay does get very repetitive and that is why I eventually just kind of like slid right off of it. Mm. Uh, well, also, uh as I determined, Mario Odyssey came out shortly after Shadow of War did and I think that's why both of us so yeah. never finished it, but I mean, Mario can become a dinosaur. Talion can't do that. Well, he can ride a Graug. What if Mario could ride a Graug? He should. Should be able to. Throw the hat on the Graug, become the Graug. (laughs) That's right. The desolation (laughs) of Graug. Um, (laughs) But yeah, uh, so finish the main game. I will say... I remember there being a lot of stuff when that game came out about the post-game stuff being really grindy and that was where there was all the issue with the loot boxes and everything. I'm not sure exactly what they changed here, but I had zero issues with it. It was just like you defend the castles a couple times in each area and that's basically it. Then you get the true ending. Uh, And then the DLC, one of which you play as the elf lady, which is interesting because... um, she can't dominate orcs Well she can but she won't Uh and so The problem with that is All of her Equipment it's not sort of randomly Generated like uh Like Talion stuff is Where it's like you might get Common rare epic whatever Levels and buffs and everything There, there are certain missions You do then you kill the orc and then you get The equipment yeah, whatever uh, is my favorite tier of loot. Yeah, I mean that's the highest. It's above legendary. Yeah, uh, but it's just so good you can't give a damn about it. Mm-hmm. The issue with that, though, I'm gonna say this is a big failing on the DLC's part. It all looks alike, apart from your starting oh. equipment. Uh, all of the stuff you get looks the same. It's just recolored. Oh, so it's like the the po- poison resistance one's green, the fire resistance one's red, etc. It's and that's like me going back to these old RPGs where you get equipment and it doesn't actually show any changes on your character. Yeah, I which is garbage. Spoil, I've, yeah, I've become so spoiled rotten on modern RPGs and how I get new armor. I see the armor. Yeah, it's right there. I can reach. I can reach out and I can touch it. Mm-hmm. Um. But that DLC was okay, I guess. The second DLC is much better. It's uh, where you play as Baranor, and it takes place in a new area, in a desert. Uh, he mm-hmm. has like a glider. It's a roguelike kind of. Uh, oh, like, weird. It's basically about yeah. Cause, well, he doesn't have like a power ring, so if he dies, he's dead. You have to restart. But uh, I'll also say not that hard. Uh, the achievement, the main achievement for it is getting a gold rating, and I did that the first time I actually completed it. I died a couple times in the way. I will say, if you play it, um, do the main story missions because the progress in those carries over, so you don't have to restart them every time. Mm. Um, and just do those up until there'll be a part where it's like, okay, you have to get all the outposts before you do this mission, which will lead to the end. But yeah, because speed is sort of a factor in it, you can get the other missions out of the way, then restart and do those. Uh, you can find upgrades for your abilities along the way, because uh, remember the dwarf guy from the first game? Yeah. He's in it. 
just like oh. a weird, weird cameo bit like he shows up huh. he's building stuff for you there uh and he shows you he gives you these drawings that will show you where you can get upgrades not very helpful these drawings because they're very small when you look at them on like the quest thing and so a lot of times well, they're I was looking... dwarfs yeah Larry. exactly i was looking at them for a while and just like I don't even know like where this is pointing me to, so I just went and looked at a guide for them because good luck trying to figure out what some of that stuff is. I found a few of them on my own, just like wandering around. Because mm. uh, some of them are kind of just out in the open and they do glow blue, but there's some in some very bizarre places. Uh, but yeah, that stuff's cool because he has like a crossbow, he has a glider thing. Um, he can launch bombs it, it's pretty cool he had, oh and instead of uh like recruiting orcs and everything you're getting money from taking over outposts and then using those to hire mercenaries and you can get like sort of like you could have a bodyguard orc in the main game you can have like up to three of these specific mercenaries as bodyguards that you can summon around are the mercenaries also orcs or are they just no. like dudes no they're uh these Easterlings, these guys are part of this mercenary band that okay. your brother is actually in charge of at the moment. Uh, so also, I would say the ma the main thing is if you want to get the gold rating, play it on Nemesis difficulty, which is basically hard. For some reason, brutal difficulty, which is the highest, does not give you a score a score multiplier, but Nemesis doubles it. Um. But the main key is to get some good mercenaries, especially when you go through the story missions. One of the sort of main abilities you'll get reduces the cost of the mercenaries. And so as soon as you can like get skill points, you can put them into that to have the cost of them. And then you can buy some legendary mercenaries to have as your bodyguards. And then they'll basically kill everything. Uh, they're kind of overpowered in a lot of ways. And so that was kind of the key for me finishing it was realizing, oh, you just summon these guys and you can kind of just stay back and they'll do all the work mm -hmm. for you. Because you got to be careful because on higher difficulties, orcs with the no chance ability will also show up, which means if they get you down, which you can also, you can go down real easy in that game. Uh, you can't do the thing to save yourself and get back up. They'll just be like, nope, sorry, blap start over so yeah you gotta watch for uh, those guys they're the worst so yeah. overall you like uh the shadow of war game yes i did it's good yep it's shadow good. of war good uh blade of gladrio good desolation of mordor was very good i would actually Give recommend maybe just going and playing that um oh i'm gonna give rate it. the games on the podcast that's what we do i'd give it a Eight out of ten. Uh, Eight out of ten. Only crowds. Real, yes, only real problem. Right. Too long. Uh, how many hours did you put into it? Would you say? So there's something about that. Uh -oh. The the game does it not keep the hours consistent between the it, DLC? Does it like no, restart it? No, it it tells you. Well, the DLC is short. Uh, okay. I think I think the Elf Lady one took me maybe four hours to one hundred percent or something like that. Mm. Um the it keeps a log of your time but it's not 
actually accurate of how much time you spend because it's based on in-game clock. Oh, okay. Uh, my time listed for completing the main quest and everything was, I think, 36 hours or so. But when doing an online conquest, I noticed it has a timer in it, and it's like you have to take over the castle within eight minutes or whatever to get the gold rating something. Um, but every time you're doing anything that might have a variable time, it pauses it. So that means, like, executions, because, you know, sometimes he'll just, like, go bat and stab them. Sometimes he'll have, like, an elaborate thing where he cuts off both arms and the head or something. And so for consistency, for the timing purposes, it pauses it whenever you would do that. Same with any orc intro, because sometimes he'll just be like, Yo, Ranger, prepare to die. And then sometimes there will be another orc that comes out and cuts a promo on you like Jimmy, Mouth, is, mouth of the South Heart. Or something. Those are the best ones, though. Yeah, they are. Um. So yeah, whenever that happens, it'll also pause. So that's it's definitely more than that in terms of hours that I spent, but exactly how much mm-hmm. I don't know. I would guess probably forty-five to fifty. Well, you know, Larry, this just sounds to me like a waste of time. I welcome to the Joe Rogan experiences. Me, I'm I'm Joe Rogan. You want to talk about DMT? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know the, the beta sprite of Yoshi. That's DMT, man. It's all yeah. DMT. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that thing, but he was talking about like I think the quote was, you know, for some people these video games are just a waste of time. Yeah, who so cares? You put all your hours into it, and you and you don't get anything from it. And then people got mad at him about this. And uh, you know what? I don't like Joe Rogan can't stand him i i think his opinions mostly are crap i don't listen to his show hey, he's not wrong about this like oh, it is a waste really. of, that's why it's a pastime yeah it's a hobby like yes like there was a nine volt noted dumbass on twitter had responded to it <laughs> with listening to a two-hour podcast is a waste of time and like yes you get it like these things are all a waste of time it's not an insult like if i read a book that like if I read the Lord of the Rings, I I wasted my time. What did oh, I yeah. accomplish with that? Like, and that's fine. That's that's totally fine. Like, if honestly, it's a good thing because if you don't entertain yourself with stuff like this, if you don't do something that ultimately is not going to accomplish anything, you're going to go fucking insane. Like, you need uh-huh. to relax. So, and I just wanted to bring that up because I think that there's a lot of stuff to get mad about Joe Rogan. This ain't one of them. Come on. This podcast is a waste of time. You know what else is a waste of time? I played all three of the Crash Bandicoot games and got 100% in each of them. Larry, let's talk about what is wrong with me. Uh, a lot. <laughs> That's not the answer I wanted. I mean, I wanted it to the be, evidence I wanted it to is be right there. George, this is totally normal. This is a cool guy thing that you did, getting 100% in Crash Bandicoot 1, 2, and 3. Nope. Oh, well, now I feel a lot more uncomfortable on my own skin. Now, but you know what I did 100% this anyway. in, like, Spyro, that would be a cool guy thing to do. That's I was what thinking I did. of putting Spyro onto this Raspberry Pi uh, completely legally. Legal copy oh, just, of Spyro. Actual physical like disc remake. of Spyro. Remake's real good. Not not gonna happen. I could have played the remake of uh, the Crash Bandicoot games. In fact, I have. I just I haven't beat 
orped, but I finally be orped for the first time. What thing uh, is though, the remake does remakes kind of worse, I think maybe. I don't know. Mm. I'm not I'm not a connoisseur of Crash Bandicoot. I found the remake to not be great. Also, I find the originals not not be great either, so I'm not the right person the, to ask about that. The remakes changed some of the movement for Crash, and I don't know precisely how. There was something like with the, the shape it's, of the hitbox. Yeah, it's a the hitbox. They made it round instead of square. Okay. So there are times that you'll just like slip off of platforms. Well, it's it's funny because I I had watched um, a very long video of a of a gentleman getting all of the relics in all of the Crash Bandicoot games in which relics are offered. And relics, for those who don't know, are awarded to you as part of the time trials. So when you go back into a level and you collected all the gems, you can earn a silver, a gold, or platinum relic. The platinum relics are very difficult to attain. You pretty much have to be like a just straight up speed running. Like the silver ones are relatively doable. Like, I was able to get most of those on my first attempt through levels, and it was just, you know, tried not to spend too much time going for boxes and don't die. Is as easy as it is to get those things. Platinum ones, you need to, like, apply speed tech or whatever it is that speedrunners would refer to it as, uh, which is to say, break the fucking game in order to get to the end fastest. Uh, but this guy, when he, he did it for all of them, because he's a lunatic, a madman and there was uh the hot cocoa level which is a hidden one in three that is just a very open-ended jet ski level where you need to go find a nitro box to blow up to unlock the portal to get out of it he was saying that like that gets fucked up in the insane trilogy yeah um and that apparently that one is very difficult to get and the weird thing for me is this is very good picture of danny trejo uh (laughs) hugging this would be a chef, thank you, by the way. I just wanted to see thank if you, you presenting would, those to me on Discord. Would mention it or just keep going. <laughs> nope. Gotta talk about this. Uh, the weird thing for me is, like, that's the one level I got the, pro- the Platinum Relic on. Like, somehow that was the one that I managed to... Uh, so, fucking whatever, that's weird to me. Because um, that, I thought, was, like, the hardest one to get. Uh but I, I did it. I got the relics in Crash Bandicoot 3 because you need that to get up to 105% completion because there's two hidden levels on, on top of all that, uh, which I did not know about until damn near having the game done. Like, you yeah. gotta crash into the alien sign in one level and then uh, get carried away by a pterodactyl in another one. Yep. That's neat. That's cool that they, they put in some hidden stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, when I played the remake, I kind of planned on getting 100% actually, but then I saw the relic stuff and was like, meh, nope. No like, honestly, the relics in, in 3 are not that difficult to get. I've actually not had much of a problem going back and getting those. Uh, I tried to do time trial stuff in 1 and 2 as part of like retro achievements associated stuff, and those were way harder to do. Uh, than three so maybe actually those kind of like broke me in just the right way so when i got to three i was like yeah i could do this i mean also the people who make retro achievements are maniacs yeah they're assholes all of them fucking freaks yeah 124 goddamn achievements for metal gear solid there's like 95 achievements for sonic cd does not need to be that many no it's way too much ridiculous uh 
I mean, there's something like 90 achievements for Crash Bandicoot 3 because they had to feel the need to make, like, oh, you got a relic in this level, and then you got the platinum relic in this level. I'm not going for the platinum ones because, again, those are just a bastard. I, that will make me hate Crash Bandicoot 3, which is a game that I think is okay. Yep, easily the best. Uh, two is the best. Remember those jetpack levels? Yeah, how there's only, like, two or three of them except there is like a lot of the jet ski levels in three and all of those suck yeah those are miserable just does not control well the camera like there is no way to move the camera around so if you need to turn around you just have to like gently tap the button to get the camera to swing that's right but also you have a bazooka yeah, but like, they don't actually give you a lot of good opportunities where you need to use the bazooka. There's just one level where there's some of the exclamation point crates where you yeah. need to use it, and like, that's to, like, been about it. The end. That's kind of the thing. Yeah, and I wish that they actually had built more of the game around using those abilities to actually get through levels rather than using them just for optional like bonus round stuff. Like, I think Crash 3 would be a more interesting game if by the final world you needed to employ all of the moves that you unlocked from bosses. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's just not enough of that. Um, there's some of it, but just not enough. Uh, yeah, I don't like the jet ski levels. The The airplane levels are actually the worst. Mm-hmm. Those are miserable. Like, the control is so awkward you will start getting unloaded into by guys that are like at the complete opposite end of the arena and actually trying to line up your shot to shoot them down before they just bleed all of your health dry is maddening. Yeah, from what I remember, that was actually one of them that was massively improved in the remake for all the plane levels. But Yeah, I, I need to go back and fuck around in the remake. Uh, I need to just get around to finishing 3 in the remake on the on the PlayStation 4. Uh, Won't take you that's long. That's why I like Crash... Not a long game. No, no, I beat all of Crash Bandicoot 3 just yesterday. I got 100% of it. I think I probably put in about six hours if it was just uninterrupted play. Sounds about right. But uh, that, I think, is why I like Crash Bandicoot 2 more, is it's just a much more focused game. Like, the vehicle stuff in 3 is very hit or miss. I think some of it's good. I really like the motorcycle levels in 3, like, a lot. But having to deal with the Coco stuff makes me want to rip my hair out. And I currently don't have hair. So I like the Coco ones. I don't like the motorcycle ones. I'm the total opposite. The motorcycle ones I think are fine. Hmm. I, the the Coco stuff I can't like uh. the jet ski ones too. Part of the problem is just that everything kind of blurs together. The water texture is disorienting to me. There's a weird kind of rainbow shimmer on it that just does not look good. Hmm. And I don't know if it's because of some of the settings I have on the Raspberry Pi specifically, like turning off the dithering and and stuff like that. Uh, but maybe. It kind of just made my eyes cross through all those levels. That reminds I me, could not stand it. Speaking of dithering, I I think it's funny how back when I think it was when I had a PSP. Oh no, it was like when PS One games were playable in the PS Three, and I was playing them and like I would post on forums saying like, "What's up with these little X's everywhere?" Like in PlayStation One games, like is this is it supposed to look like this? And everybody acted like it was insane. Like that doesn't have like nobody else saw this. What are you talking about? And like every like yeah, that's just how PlayStation One games look. But for whatever reason, back then nobody seemed to notice, and it made me think I was crazy. 
All right, you want my take on this? What? You want my opinion on dithering? Uh-huh. Dithering is to PlayStation 1 games as enabling scan lines is to 16-bit games. Don't do it. Shut it off. Why? I think the dithering makes the games look worse. I'd rather have everything be sharp and clear. Oh, okay. I've never really tried turning it off, honestly. Like, to me, that's what PlayStation 1 games look like. Uh, nope. I always shut the dithering off. I do not want it. Get that shit out of here. I will not accept dithering in my home. All right. Give it a try. Like, uh, you should have the ability to do that in Laka, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Shut the dithering is. off. Kind of like fuck around in a game or two and just, and I would like to hear whether or not you think it looks better or worse. I'm genuinely curious. I mean, probably, I always shut it off. It probably does look better, but to me, like, that's the PlayStation 1 look. Sure. The, the one also, game I did have it enabled on was Final Fantasy IX, and I don't know, like, it was some weird film grain thing for me where I thought it actually made that game look better. I mean, uh, yeah, that, I that's kind of what I feel when I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking of, like, Metal Gear Solid, and I feel like yeah. without it, it would look very strange. Yeah, like those okay. early Blu-rays where they would, like... Do that weird smoothing thing And made uh, George C. Scott Look like he was made out of wax and patten You thought those face textures Looked real muddy with dithering on <laughs> Boy buddy shut uh, the dithering off And get a load of that shit Oh uh, yeah but see that's the thing yeah, like, I feel See like these it, muddy it, textures more clearer than ever Yeah like for lack of a better word Like it does seem like it sort of gives The game's texture uh, Just like a filled grain would yeah. So yeah yeah. I don't know. I'll try like, turning it off sometime. I, I never really like considered that you could was the thing. Like I figured that was kind of just baked yeah. into it in a way that if you turned it off, <laughs> it would just kind of make everything look super messed up. Nope. I uh, I have it. Uh, always shut off. That actually, uh, although that might be why I've been getting some of those screen tearing issues. Is I I do wonder if maybe this is dithering. You're like Cyrus and Trailer have... Park Boys. Dithering, always off. See this? Alright? Old man gave me that when I was in grade seven. Seen a lot of action. Nine millimeter. Safety always off. Told me he was proud of me once. Fucking prick. That's right. I drive around in a cool car, I got a leather <laughs> jacket, and I always shut dithering off in my video games. Yeah, I got work uh, to do. <laughs> the work is putting together a goddamn raspberry pie it's taken me all week yeah uh, but yeah like crash bandicoot 2 i just feels a lot more of a, a focused experience it does what it does very well i i like the feel of crash games as stiff and weird as the jumping is in those i there is just something about like the way crash levels are built too, where it's just very linear, even though it's 3D, but it has like this weird kind of enclosed aesthetic to everything. It feels like I am running through a model. It's bizarre. I'm not quite sure how to put it into words, but there is something about that aesthetic that I really, really, really like. Every uh, level in Crash looks like it's a tunnel. Yes. With just like yes. things painted on the sides, basically. And. I weirdly like that, and I think a lot of that is just baked into nostalgia for me because the the way that I played Crash back in the day, when PlayStation came out, I couldn't afford a PlayStation, very poor family, uh, but my neighbor had one, and he had Crash Bandicoot 2. 
And so I would come over and like, this is the first time I saw the PlayStation was playing the first few levels on Crash Bandicoot 2 and it blew my mind. Cause it like honestly looks, the, the way that PlayStation handles graphics and it renders everything out looks very different than the Nintendo 64. It has a very, very different aesthetic. Yeah, you can actually playing. see what's happening in it. Yes. And so the PlayStation flipped my lid. And Crash Bandicoot just got like held up as like, this is the PlayStation game. This is the game that introduced me to it. This is the game that introduced me to this graphic style. So I have a very, very soft spot for it. Uh, and bugged the ever-living shit out of my mom to get me a PlayStation, which never happened. Uh, hmm. So Crash Bandicoot 2 is a game that I keep coming back to because even though I've beat it multiple times now, there's this weird kind of appeal to it of like, oh, this is the game I couldn't get a hold of back in the day, even though I really, really wanted it, and now I can play it anytime. So, you know, so like they say, your favorite Crash Bandicoot is the first one you play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I... <laughs> I have a love of nostalgia for Crash Bandicoot also because that was like same thing. Probably one of the first games I played on PlayStation. I think I think I got my PlayStation later, so I think I got Crash Two with it. Um, and like yeah, I've said before. Every time I think of Clancy Brown, I think of Sony Computer Entertainment America presents. Yeah, because uh, that's just all time best video game intro. Uh, yeah. Good old Clancy Brown. That's right. Not in Crash Four. Had more important Ooh. things to do. Yeah. Uh, which is weird to me, actually, that Crash Bandicoot Two was the first one that that I had not had uh, that experience with the PlayStation back when Crash One was out. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm not sure why, but I do know that eventually, like I'm pretty sure I played Crash One off a demo disc. I think I did too. Had. But like, never sat down and played the full game until like much, much later in life. Right. Uh, yeah. But Crash Three was the one that like I didn't play Crash Three at all until the Unsane Trilogy came out. Hmm. Uh, three was the one I played the most. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That's that's a lie. I'm sorry. I remember a different friend uh, whose home was a filth palace. <laughs> Smelled like cigarettes. There were there was clothing everywhere. His dogs consistently shat on the carpet. Great. Yeah, I hated going over there, but you know what? He had a PlayStation, so I sucked it up, and I sat down and I mooched PlayStation games off of him. But that is where I played Crash Bandicoot three for a bit the first time, and then also is where I first played Spyro. And I think part of why maybe I also don't like those games as much is I just associate them with the Filth Palace. So, um, that might be part of it. Crash 3 had that really good lenticular cover. Remember yeah, that? Did. Yeah, Yeah. Lenticular. Uh, but you should, you should play this Spyro remake. I think you'd be surprised how good it is. Like, it holds up way better than I expected. Like, is, way better than Spyro Crash. Is a collectathon, though? Not really. Okay. I I don't like collectathons at all. No. You you uh even just the the genre name for it makes it sound like a hassle. Like there's nothing th- fun about the word collectathon. No. It's about the same as crash. Like you have the you're rescuing dragons okay. and there are eggs that you can find around and that's it, really. I do love eggs. Um there and then there are gems. It would be like the fruit equivalent, I guess, and boxes mm. or whatever. But those I believe stay 
like uh, in the level if you go back you don't have to recollect them all again I think See, I, sure. I, I still think that like getting all the gems in the Crash Bandicoot games is not as difficult as I initially thought it to be like uh, my impression of that was very much built around the first level in Crash 1 where you have that diverging path and you have to go down one yeah. going forwards and then you have to backtrack and the other one and the backtracking sucks because the camera is terrible Yep. and so like my impression was that a lot of levels just had very inconveniently placed boxes that were hidden away and you needed a guide to go figure out how to get into the hidden room. Mm -hmm. And, like, that is the case for a few levels, but for the most part, like, getting all the boxes just means, like, going through the level normally and just making sure you break everything along the way. And, like, that's really not that hard to do. So I just buckled down and I did it. Mm -hmm. um, and part of the spirit of the list is if there is a hidden ending associated with getting 100% that I gotta go for it, and that is in fact the case for all three of the Crash games. Uh, especially Warped, because Warped does the oh, actually, there's 105% that you can get thing, where you then get the, the second uh -huh. extra hidden secret ending, uh -huh. so... Uh, well, so Jesus Christ. Spyro, also, the remake thing, has some weird stuff with the trophies, where there are trophies in there for things that are not related to the game completion. Like, the, the game does not recognize... Burning these six cogs in this level or whatever, which is definitely the hardest one because those things are tiny and they're like hidden in shadows and everything. Like that one I had to like mm. look up where the last one was because I couldn't find it and it was like in this weird alcove where you could barely even see it. Uh, but yeah, like actually, like by the game standards, one hundred percent, it is very easy because it it's just like yeah. Get the dragons, get the dragon eggs, and then get the gems and the levels, and that's basically it. Yeah. Easy I like the Crash games, though. They're, they're, uh, they're fun. I'm looking forward to that Crash Bandicoot 4. Right. Also... I sure hope it's good. I think I brought this up before. Spyro is a mockumentary, which is not mentioned enough. It's the only mockumentary video game I know of. Oh, that's the way that they handle the narrative? Yes. Huh. It's kind of like I Lakitu. To check out Spyro. I guess technically... Well, no, because Mario is like a fictional what? thing. Like, Lakitu is just the yes. cameraman. Uh, yeah. But this is supposedly a real event being filmed. Uh, because, yes, it starts with, like, interview footage with the dragons and, like, a boom mic mm. and, like, camera operators and everything. Yeah, I might need to check out that... Uh... Uh, there's some other games that I need to, like, I still need to get that, um... Oh, why do I always blink on the name of it? It's the VR game. People end up modding it to have lightsabers and shit in it. It's supposed to just be kind of like a medieval combat game. I need to get that. And then also, they put out a new Bloodstained. They announced that during E3? And oh. then I was like, oh, hey, that's another 8-bit Bloodstained. I want to play that. And apparently it was like a day-and-date announcement thing. Like, hey, it's out now. And I just did not pick up on that. Yeah, I didn't know I think know that's either. like $15 damn dollars, which is a bit much. Yeah, you think you might want a little bit more of a lead on that thing. Like, I kind of worry that maybe it won't sell as well because of the way they handled that. And, like, what I want out of Bloodstained is more of the 8-bit games. I do not give a fuck about the Symphony of, Symphony of the Night style bloodstained okay so it doesn't do it for me all right do not like it never played it don't like it you can put the jojo stone mask on her though never mind i like it <laughs> it's 
one of the first things Can't you wait get. To play it. Uh, so yeah, like uh, I think if I had to rank them against each other, Crash Bandicoot Two is my favorite, then Warped, and then of course Crash Bandicoot One. Pretty much everything that Crash Bandicoot One does is vastly improved upon in subsequent sequels. Uh, three, I think, like as far as the just behind Crash Bandicoot's back, like run through the level levels, those are much better than anything in two. Uh, it is just that they bog that game down so much by vehicle levels that I do not think are good. Mm. Uh, also, I think the warp room is worse. There, there is something about having that all take place in one central hub rather than going between fours that, for some reason, makes it feel smaller to me, even See, though I, I know that's not the case. I do like that more because it means you don't have to like stand around on the middle thing and go up and down slowly. Yeah, but I do like that when Crash stands on the middle thing, his just he has a big gaping smile and just yeah. stares up at the ceiling until you give him an input. Oh, I was thinking I like how he just stares straight ahead as he's rotating up and down. That is very good too. Oh man, but Crash is um, one of the dumbest video game characters. Yeah, which is why it's so fucking weird that the Crash cartoon has him actually being smart and like formulating plans and stuff. There's a Crash cartoon. Yes, there is. It's so fucking bizarre. Because, again, Crash is like, uh, he's articulate in the cartoon. Mm. He plans ahead. He comes up with schemes. Which is not at all Crash Bandicoot. No, Crash is like... The intro of every game is just like him asleep on a beach or something. Getting attacked yeah. by crabs. I don't know. Go find me a battery for my computer, Crash. Yeah. It's all you're good for. Fucking piece of shit. Dumbass. Yeah. Stupid motherfucker, look at you. Uh wearing jorts I want, on the beach. I want the I want the outro audio for this episode, by the way, to be the promotional video that they put out for Crash Bandicoot 2, where Crash also talked in that. I'm not sure if you've seen it. I will link it to you after the fact, but it is a hilarious disaster. Crash Bandicoot should never under any circumstance actually say words. I just remember the ads where it was like a guy in a giant crash suit. Yes, like those are, that is the only time Crash Bandicoot should talk, is when he is a man in a Crash Bandicoot suit. Yeah. But that's okay. it. Only that. This is a different thing I'm talking about where they made a horrifying CGI model of him and he spoke in an Australian accent. Mm. I I will... I will link it to you. It is right. an experience. Okay. Uh, I cannot uh, do it justice describing it. Um, I would rate the crashes four, six, and seven. Mm. Crash Bandicoot one, I would give fifty-four Wampa fruit out of a total one hundred because that is what it costs to get an extra life, and then I would give it the yellow gym because the yellow gym—that's the piss gym. You don't want the yellow gym. It sucks. Uh, Crash Bandicoot two, I would give. 89 wampa fruit out of 100 and then i would say that probably gets both the red and the blue gems uh, because as we know red and blue are opposites from each other and opposites attract which just makes it that much more of a, a, a solid experience right. and then crash bandicoot 3 warped uh gets 73 wampa fruits out of a total 100 and then it gets the remaining purple and green green gems uh but crash bandicoot as a whole gets one dr neo cortex falling back to earth from space and saying crystals <laughs> out of a possible right. one <laughs> all right so that's where i stand on crash bandicoot 
very good games. Looking forward to number four. I hope four is good. Uh, I hope so too. Yeah. That's being made by the people who made the Spyro remake. So. I like. I'm relatively confident that will be a good game. Yeah. yeah. Since they got toys for toys for boys. Is that toys, the name? toys for Bob. Toys for Bob. All right. Somehow, they went from Star Control to Skylanders to actual Spyro to now Crash Bandicoot. Which, okay. Beautiful trajectory that they are on. Yeah. Uh, the the power swapping stuff in four actually seems like it could be a lot of fun. It actually seems like basically doing that thing where you unlock this at the end of a boss battle, but then actually making use of it to get through subsequent levels. So it, it seems like it's making good on the thing that I wanted from Crash Three. Will Rockefeller Skank be in the actual game, or is that just? In the I trailer? hope so. <laughs> I hope that just replaces the main Crash Bandicoot theme that you hear through like all of the like base level. Kind of like that's the thing that Crash Bandicoot does that is weird to me too is like you'll have eight different level types and rather than just segment those into eight different worlds where you just go through, you know, five levels of that yeah. type, they they spread them up, apart weird. So, like, you'll have one world that is, like, the ice world, but then you'll have, like, a sewer level and a chase level in a jungle, and then you'll have an ice level. Like, it's kind of neat how they segment that stuff up so it doesn't get too old going through too much of one thing. Yeah, you go in the sewer and then you hear right about now. No, it's a Funk Show brother. No, the Funk Soul brother. Please. Funk Funk Show brother. No, Funky brother. The Funko Pop brother. Uh I would think Bandicoot Funko Pops are probably a thing, aren't they? Probably. Uh, they have a Crash Bandicoot toy from NECA. They do. Uh, there were yeah. also Crash Bandicoot and Neo Cortex Skylanders, which I should have gotten when I could have gotten them cheap. They're actually kind of nice. Sat on it. Uh, um, but um, I think the Rockefeller skank that's in it is going to be like at the end, of, like a dance party, like at the end of the credits or something, or like they they freeze frame at the end. Just it's dance like, parties in video games just now make me think of the unlockable dance party in that Sonic Boom 3DS game. It just I mean, Jesus I was thinking Christ. more of Shrek, but okay. Uh, I mean, sure. Yes, also Shrek. Did you ever get your Shrek lamp? No. I didn't buy the oh. Shrek lamp. Should have bought the Shrek lamp. Look, you sat on the Skylanders. Are you going to sit on the Shrek lamp? We'll be having the same point. conversation two years from now. Yeah. You'll be like, I should have bought that Shrek lamp. It looked really good. It's going to be a collector's item. Everybody <laughs> wants yep. 3D neon LED Shrek lamp. Uh, everyone remembers the Shrek lamp from AliExpress. Wish, run actually. Oh, well, yeah, that's totally different. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Shrek is... lamp, and it sets your fucking house on fire. Yeah, Wish is somehow more suspect than AliExpress. <laughs> yeah. God. My one experience with AliExpress is buying that repro of Mario Party and then not realizing they had set it to be PAL because they hid that information deep in the ordering page. And so I tried to initiate a refund, and they denied it. Like, they didn't even fucking look at it for, like, three weeks and then shipped it and denied it. So I had to do, like, a... I had to call up my credit card company and tell them to do a chargeback on their asses. So I just had this PAL copy of Mario Party floating around here somewhere you also, I'm though, never going to be able to use. You also have that uh, Star Trek t-shirt I got you from... AliExpress. 
yeah, that's especially a Aliexpress item. is good. Uh, that yeah. outweighs the the, the Pal Mario Party thing. <laughs> exactly. I think. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's a whole bunch of words about Crash Bandicoot. That's I'm right, sure I many. had something else to say about Crash Bandicam, but uh, <laughs> I'm blanking on it now. So. Unregistered Crash Hypercam too. <laughs> that's right. Uh, if you want to see some poor soul get all the uh, relics in that thing, I believe that channel was Caddycarus. Uh, Caddycarus? I, I don't know how to say it. Caddyshack? It's one of those YouTubers that they're very loud and they do a lot of goofy stuff and it's probably intended for people who are not 32 years old, like my ass. But uh, yeah, I still want to mention it because, damn, man, going for all those is a lot. And so I guess that deserves some recognition. Uh, Joe Rogan said that video games are a waste of time. My counter argument is this goddamn idiot getting all the all the relics in the Crash Bandicoot games. That's an accomplishment. Not sure what it's accomplishing, but you know he did it. Okay. Goodbye, dinosaurs. Bye. <laughs> That was intense! Woo! I just flew in from the new ruins level and boy are my arms tired! <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you very much, my bad. Thank you very much. That was funny stuff. Wow, funny stuff. Doc, did you see that? Hi, I'm Crash! Crash Bandicoot! The super marsupial, the wonder from down under, the rocket with a pocket! You may remember me from my last adventure where I just, oh, I don't know, saved the world. You're welcome. And now, I have to do it again. I also ride this cool jetpack and this most excellent jet ski. <laughs> but what I really want is crystals. Lots of crystals. We need those crystals more than ever because... Hey, do you smell something? Not me. I, I think I smell a rat. Oh well, it must be my imagination. Hey, speaking of rats, you know the mad scientist from the last Crash Bandicoot, Dr. Neocortex? <laughs> he's back! <laughs> Turns out he's a pretty nice guy. Went to one of those self-help seminars, turned over a new leaf. He says he's going to help me out this time. Yeah, help me out. You know what I told him? Why don't you take a 12-step program off a 10-step pier? <laughs> and his motley crew is back as well. His discombobulated buddy, Dr. Embry. So long, eh, Bowser!